This is the 20th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Strike King Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, Pro, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning, and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. Wednesday, excited for today's guest. Like I said, he uh, he called me after the Bassmaster Open on Okeechobee. Well, the majority of the tournament, he could have just talked to me. He did talk to me. Uh, for the majority of the day, especially on day one. But uh, we're going to talk to Brian New today as he embarks on, uh, what is this? Is this already his third or fourth year on the Elite Series? We'll bring him. Well, let's just bring him and right in off the hopper. How many years have you been on the Elite Series now? Is this already your third season or fourth season? Uh, maybe fourth. Let's see. 21, two. Yeah, fourth. That's crazy how how crazy how fast time goes, isn't it? It really is. It really is. I uh it seems like just yesterday, didn't you win? Did you win like one of your first ones in Florida? Yeah, I won my first open ever at uh it was at Coho, and then I yeah. won my first at St. John's. Did you like Florida before that? Because based on what I saw fishing around you this past week, I didn't know if you just weren't a fan of the scenario or you weren't a fan of fishing in Florida. But, uh, I mean, you fish Florida quite a bit, though, being being a Carolina guy. It's not that far down there. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been to Florida pretty much every year since 2012 and uh, Okeechobee in particular. And a lot of years, multiple times that year. Um, at first, it and you know, the first part of that, a lot of it was co-hanger days. Um, yeah, and, and whenever I started fishing as a boater, I think it was 2015. Um, I had a few years, and then I finally figured Florida out. And it's, you know, I've had a bad turn, uh, tournament or two in Florida since then, but uh you know that's just kind of the way things go but i i really like florida i job with it and i re- understand it uh especially this time of year we got like a little a little tweak in the audio do you have audio just on the straight uh ipad to where you can just go ipad audio without the earbuds you're asking a lot um, i know well heck you've got you've got like nine screens on your boat surely you can figure out with all that technology you could figure out how to uh how to do straight ipad audio because i can hear you it just kind of glitches just a little bit like every 30 seconds Brittany, (laughs) that's how i figure technology out i don't know okay i really don't it was weird it wasn't doing that in the preview like i said it's fine it's just like i don't know is anyone else hearing that maybe it's just me on my end if it is i can totally tell what you're saying but uh uh is do you think it's helpful if you are going to step out and fish toyota's opens try to make a living at this professionally if you get the opportunity to get in the boat with someone in florida 
Do you think that's like probably one of the most beneficial things that you can do as a co-angler is take the time to go down to Florida and get in the boat with someone and see how it's done down there? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you know, uh, if you're fishing as a co-angler, you know who you're going to get in the boat with. And, uh, you know, just there's a lot of people that have no clue, like myself, whenever I first started going to Florida. And uh, so if that's the case, you're not learning anything. Um, you're not even going to really learn what not to do because it's just, I don't know. But, like, if you if you are going with, you know, let's say Brandon McMillan invites you down and you go fish with him, yeah, you're, you're going to learn a lot. Uh, or practice with him, you know, that kind of situation. I was fortunate. I, you know, I traveled and practiced with Brian Thrift you know, all over the country. And uh, it, Florida's a lot different than – um north carolina south carolina you know it's we grew up it's this stretch bank or it's this rock pile or it's this dock in florida it's this area you know it's not okay i gotta fish the back corner or just the floats on the dock you get in the right area and you fish everything and you learned a lot of that from brian because i feel like thrift and you i mean you guys fish a lot similarly probably because you spent so much time in the boat and you're from the part of the country where that's how you catch them on those types of fisheries is a run and gun uh, i mean is that hard for you to settle down in an area like do you have to consciously say all right uh, this is i'm gonna have to take some tranquilizers for this one <laughs> no it, it used to be not so much anymore i mean um the best tournament I ever had at Okeechobee, um, I technically I finished fourth on paper, but I had a uh, my trim motor went out on my you know on my outboard the first day, and I was four minutes late, so I had a four penalty. So if you take that penalty away, I technically I either finished first or second. I don't remember. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. But that being said, I was on the right stuff to win the tournament. And the best thing I had from that practice was two bites in area. That was the best thing. And I went there and I made it my home for three days. And I learned a little bit every day. And, and backing up to the first day when I figured, truly figured it out, it was like the last hour of the day when I figured it out. Um, but that being said, it wasn't run to fish this rock pile, go fish this brush pile, fish these seven dots. It was just, this, you know, 15 acres and everything. Uh, uh, after the Sturby, you were like, dude, I want to get on. I need to get on BTL. I got some stuff I want to talk about. I got some stuff we need to talk about. Uh, I think we could make this a good episode. I was like all in on it. Uh, let's just dive right into that right off the bat. I did have kind of a Okeechobee uh, recap show with Tristan McCormick. Uh, where we, you know, he was down in South Bay and he talked about what went on down there. I talked about what went on in that Hardy Pond area. Uh, I know there are a couple different others, but you were uh, you were fired up on the water, uh, especially the first morning when we all kind of got into the same area. Uh, talk a talk a little bit about uh, about what what's on your mind and what you wanted to talk about uh, with the BTL listeners. Uh, that that kind of came to your mind over the past week so kind of before we get into that like you know i ran around in practice and you know we all knew where 
the biggest groups of fish were, where the biggest groups of boats were as well. And my plan was to fish on the outside of the biggest group of boats on the on the water or the lake and hopefully pick some up and then you know i was going to get in the middle because i found a fish as well and so i did i started on the outside you know nobody was messing with me, didn't have anybody in my way at all and i only caught one so i get in the middle and and there is no grass anymore We're fishing mud clumps literally mud clumps <laughs> and uh you know i'm fishing old school florida you know throwing a speed worm around don't swim jig around just just main casting and hopefully stumble across where the group of fish is that day because anytime you're in a group of boats like that the fish are going to get pushed around the pressure's going to get them and you know they're going to move around with it well i just happened to look down at my live scope i said huh there's a fish and it looks like it's on the bed so i pulled down fish for it uh, five or six clips i hook it and it comes off it's like huh it really intrigued me because that's the first fish I had ever threw at on live scope that I felt like was on the bed. And, you know, I kind of, so I lose that fish. I go, on, obviously I'm still fishing, but I'm looking down and scoping at the same time. And it's hard to do both. You really have to do one or the other. So I know there's a lot of boats around. I can kind of see them, but I'm not paying attention to them, not looking at what they're doing. And I look. And I see another one that looks really big. I pull down, fish for it a minute. I catch it. It's an eight two. I look up. You're right beside me. Um, Drew Benton's right beside me. Two hundred and seventy nine other people are right beside me. And I had zero idea what everybody was doing. I just thought everybody's fishing, you know, that area. And I look up. Every one of you are pulled down, spinning rod in hand, and looking at your scope. I was like, this is crazy. Like what it's kind of a coincidence that i actually figured the exact same deal out 30 minutes before and obviously a lot of the other guys yourself included had already figured that out and then you know i don't think everybody figured that out their own um they seen you you guys doing it as well and so they started going, well everybody's catching the fish and you know i yes i catch that eight pounder more than likely i don't catch it without a live scope and i am not a live scope hater i'm not a hater of advanced in technology advanced in lures you know we always we're always no matter what it is we're trying to figure out a better way to do something a more efficient way to do something for the last five six years we've had live scope you know obviously Oh no, I lost. Brian knew. So they need to connect their mic or cam before I can add them to the stream. Uh, we will try to get uh, Brian New back. There he is. He's back. You back? I don't know what happened. I went oh, away. Oh, that's but... fine. That's fine. Yeah, we're so, nothing, nothing like technology issues while talking about technology. Right, exactly. Exactly. But anyway, so what I'm saying is I'm not a hater of all of this technology you know with just what we strive to do is to get better and right more advanced than everything we do but it truly really has all right i got it figured out 
it won't happen again. I figured it out with a setting. Uh, All right, we should so be good to go the rest of the show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, your show's glitching. Yeah. But um, so all that being said, like it has truly got out of hand now. And you know, myself, hey, I was one of the first guys to run three graphs at the front. You know, mm -hmm. for the last handful of years, at least three or four years, I ran six graphs on my boat, three at the front, three at the back at certain times. Not every tournament, not every day, but I have done that. This year, I thought, you know, my boat was out of control. I've got four up front. At times, you know, I only had three. I took one off. And, you know, two, sometimes three at the back. And it's just, it's out of control. It, it really is. It's not fishing anymore. You know, like I said a second ago, you've got fish or you've got a scope. I'm not saying there's not a talent. There's a major talent to scoping. Um, not just anybody can do it. You know, it, it takes, it's like anything else. There's a learning curve. I'm not taking again, anything away from anybody that that's all they do. But it's just, it's not fishing anymore. It's, um, I think it's, I think a lot of people are going to argue with me, but I think in, in the years to come, it's going to really hurt our industry. You know, people are going to quit buying 20 pound lines. People are going to quit buying, you know, chatterbaits and crankbaits. And you're going to sell a jig head, a minnow, a, a, sometimes a jig, a drop shot, a drop shot worm, and a jerkbait. You, you, of course, we have hard baits um coming out for you know strictly for live scope that are designed around that i'm actually working on one with spro right now that uh i've got to go test as soon as we get out of here but uh you things are, the industry is going to evolve with it but it's going to kill a lot of sales of other things i mean you know i got the crappy brakes people are starting to use the crappy brakes you know on their power poles but uh if you don't have those i mean people may quit buying power poles people are going to quit buying bait casters people are going to quit buying all of these rods all this you know they're not going to need 20 pound sunline or 60 pound uh braid they're not going to need that stuff anymore and uh, it's just it's crazy it really is and i tell you it's very crazy it's mind-blowing that we can use 942 live songs but we can't use alabama rig I feel like you came to this realization about an hour and a half into day one of Okeechobee Open. And, and here's the thing, like I've said it you know, numerous times in the last five minutes that we've been on here, but, you know, I've been back and forth. You know, I, I'm mm -hmm. not a complete hater. I've been back and forth. Oh, we should ban it. Oh, it wouldn't be right. You know, it's just evolution of the sport. And it's just, it, it truly is out of hand. And... I hate to say ban it. I'm not saying ban it, but something needs to be done. Um, but also at the same time, you know, it's getting to the point if something's not done, you'll never see another tournament won without Oscope. Yeah, I, it doesn't matter if you're at Okeechobee in two foot of water or at Toledo Bend, you know, out in open water or up north catching smallmouth. It's just, it's going to be the exact same thing. People are. I think people will truly quit watching um, all of our live coverage because people people can say, oh, it's entertainment. It's not entertainment. People watch our live coverage to learn. 
they don't watch it, you know, if they want to be entertained, they're going to watch a funny movie or something or get on, you know, Instagram reels and watch stupid stuff like that. People laugh at people watch our lives to learn. And when, when they, you know, we go to, uh, Okeechobee and everybody in the top 10 for the most part is live scoping, look down. Next week we go to Toyota Bend. Everybody's live scoping, looking down. Then we go to Santee, live scoping. Look, it's the same thing over and over and over and over. Nobody's going to watch that. Um, it just, I know I'm not going to watch it. And also, that being said, you know, the people talk about limiting it. Well, that's not going to do anything. You know, it may make practice not as uh, efficient, but it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change the coverage. It's not going to change how you're fishing or scoping. Now, let me play devil's advocate here for a second. You're saying, hey, you got this live scope. You got guys here who are, are catching all these fish. But you still had Scott Martin, who the marina is is named after his mom and dad, who is a legend on Okeechobee, who finally got the W there in Florida. He wins by 22 pounds. You have Randall Tharp, who everybody picked to be in the uh to to have a shot to win this. He finishes third. You have uh Brandon McMillan, who is a legend also down in Florida. He finishes in the top 10. So even with all of this technology and the live scoping, you still have some of the the cream that is rising to the top in three of these top 10 anglers. Yeah, I mean, you also had two guys in the top 10 that were Damiki rigging a canal with a half ounce Damiki rig and others that were uh, live scoping. But uh, it still seems that even with the technology, you're still having guys who are are the best on those fisheries still performing well and competing well. So, I mean, as a devil's advocate, you could say, yeah, but still look, the guys who are supposed to do good are still doing good. It's not completely making history uh, obsolete. No, it's not. And I, you know, that's not what I'm trying to say it's doing, but it is changing. And we, you know, no matter if it's a new technique or what it is, we have to change with it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just it's truly taken away a lot of a lot of the aspects of um you know of fast fishing. Uh, but yeah, I mean I didn't watch any of the coverage. I know I know uh Scott was he was you know, he obviously blew it away, he caught the fire out of him, but he was live scoping. Um I kinda feel like Tharp probably wasn't. I don't know if he was at any yeah, at all. I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel, I feel certain that that wasn't his uh, main bread and butter. Brady McMillan, you know, as well. Um, maybe they did some. Maybe they did it all. I don't really know. But I know McMillan I, was not I, primarily live scope, and I talked to him. He was doing floor. He was doing Florida things with Florida baits. Right. I might have been in, in, yeah. incorporating, but I mean, I I talked to him in the locks both day, and like he had, he had Florida stuff like that. You don't you know, frog stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and that you know that being said, like, you can still use that. I mean, look at Steve Kennedy at Okeechobee last year; he was live scoping mm-hmm. with perspective with a frog, and uh, so I mean, you can still use that stuff. Um, and, and once again, I'm not saying live scope's the devil. I'm just saying, what the hell? <laughs> I understand. Now, let me ask you this: I've never asked anyone this on the show, and I know you're going to be 100 percent honest. You had the the quad box up front. You have the boat decked out in 2024 
It's no secret that for a lot of the Elite Series anglers, it's been an arms race. Bass actually has contacted you guys, correct, that they're going to be monitoring this year how much forward-facing sonar plays into your patterns, how many fish are caught on it, how it's used. They're really monitoring the viewership. Didn't they create like some sort of some sort of a technology panel or something that they're going to be monitoring in, in 2024? Yeah, yeah, they are. I don't know what it's going to do. I mean, it's like the way I see it, either you have it or you don't, you know, and, and I don't know what the right answer is. I don't. Now let me ask you this. Did you feel, do you feel like you did all of this stuff to your boat because uh, you wanted to, and you think it gives you an advantage and you enjoy doing it? Or did you go into this past off season feeling like you had to, in order to keep up and it was something that was a necessity and not something that you wanted to do just so you could go on into this season at quote a level playing field with all the other guys doing the same thing so on one hand like i really enjoy tweaking stuff on my boat rigging my boat that kind of stuff you know uh so i to answer your question i I definitely did it because I felt like I had to, you know, um, did I think it was cool? Yeah. You know, when I go out here on Lake Murray striper fishing and really learn some little things that I didn't know about certain, uh, you know, certain technology. Um, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it was, it really was, but I did it because I thought I had to. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, I mean, we do this for a living. You know, this is what we do to feed our family. And it's just, you know, there's some guys that are getting paid to use this stuff. There's some guys that are getting it for free. I, I'm not getting it for free. You've got to justify the, you know, to be able to see a return on your investment. And when you have, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, how many dollars worth of electronics I have on my boat, but it has to be well over $20,000. And to see a return on that, I mean, I have cashed two $10,000 checks, well, really, probably three $10,000 checks just to pay for it and never see a return. That's just come breaking even on it. All right. So, uh, and that it's just getting to the point where you have to have it to compete, but are you going to be able to see a return? Uh, a return on it. Sean says, this is stupid. Just stop discussing it. Like soul saying who's getting burned out on all the forward facing squabble, non-talk. Listen, I, I get that. I understand that talk. Um, there is an element where it is part of the sport now. So, you know, when you're talking about the tournament results, it does come up in the, the winning pattern. Just like if the winning pattern had been deep cranking for six tournaments in a row, people would be like, oh, we're sick of hearing about deep cranking every single tournament. This is the way it is. And right now, I mean, this is a show called Bass Talk Live. We talk about what's going on in the world of uh, tournament fishing, professional bass fishing. We talk with the top names in professional bass fishing. This is the this is the conversation at least in my world, that is dominating the 20-hour drive home from Okeechobee, that is dominating what's going on at the meeting talks, that is dominating the text messages with other people. Like, yes, it is being pounded into so many people's heads right now, but this is such a seismic shift in professional bass fishing, in targeting, in how tournament strategy 
uh, is being played in how fish are getting caught that, yeah, it is basically a daily topic right now because we're living through it and no one has the actual right answer. I'm sure you get tired of talking about it. You'd rather talk about uh, this and we'll, we'll get into some cool stuff that you have going on too a little bit later on in the show. But fair assessment, I mean, is this dominating the off-air conversations amongst the top-level professional anglers as well? It's not like we go, oh, hey, forward-facing sonar gets views and gets clicks on the show, so we're going to talk about it. This is what everyone at the top level is trying to figure out right now. Fair assessment, Brian? 100%. And it, you know, I'm with uh, that comment. You know, I'm sick and tired of talking about it. Uh, Get me talking about it for five, maybe eight minutes, and I'm good. But on that ninth minute, it's time to move on. Like, it's, it's, it's old news. It's uh, I'm tired of talking about it, but I do. It's it's a it's a true issue, you know. And we just got to figure out what the answer is. There is no easy answer. And once again, I'm not saying it's the devil. It's just what's the right answer. So, okay, let's take let's take that exact spot uh, where we fish the majority of that tournament where so many checks came out of where guys like me who finish in the middle of the pack where guys who finish 150th were all fishing right next to each other let's take forward facing sonar completely out of the equation and go back to old school uh just 2d and side imaging exact same situation zero live scope forward facing sonar how does that in your opinion how does that scenario play out in that exact part of the lake under those exact conditions and what are guys doing differently and what does the catch rates out of that area look like in your opinion a lot less a lot less i mean i'm sure there was some fish caught fishing casting um but myself i i never had a bite casting uh, no i take that back i did i had uh i had one um right before i caught that eight pounder that actually lost uh on a swim bait and that's literally the only bite I ever had right there um, casting. Now, practice had a few bites on a, a Spro Rufu shad, you know, a lipless bait just whining around, but that was real late in the evening. That was, you know, 30 minutes before it got dark. Um, definitely something different going on that time of day, but also not the pressure. You know, there was three or four or five boats there versus 80. And there was legitimately 80 or above there for that you know the first two days of the tournament legitimately so are guys moving around more then without the forward facing sonar are we seeing less of the spinning rods are we seeing more ruku shads more chatter baits are we seeing guys fishing different sections leaving it at 10 or 11 instead of staying there for 16 straight hours like does that that does that area get a lot less pressure or different pressure from different anglers without the forward facing sonar I think it's definitely it's a different approach. I mean, I think you'd see the same number of boats. Um, once again, going back, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people knew they were going to go start there and fish there during the tournament. And once they got there, you know, they were casting, they were fishing the way they planned on it. And, and it, it, once again, this is just me guessing. I just really find it hard to believe that all 80 plus of those guys knew they were going to go in there and live scope. I truly feel like a lot of them, got there seeing people live scope and seeing people uh catching fish doing so and you know then they started doing as well but yes take live scope away you know ruku shad chatterbait speed worm uh swim jig that type of stuff your typical 
old school Florida stuff. That's what I think you would have seen for sure. Maybe a little bit of jerk baiting. Um, that that type of stuff. Actually moving around. Yeah, somebody catches fish, they're probably going to power pole down and, and make several more casts to that spot. Maybe fan cast close by. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a different a different outcome. You take the scope away. A little bit of a unique season for the Elite Series, not starting until the end of February uh, on Toledo Bend and then uh, four heavyweight events with Toledo Bend, Fork Harris Chain and the St. John's River. Uh, You look at that, a lot of history uh, on the St. John's, on the Harris Chain. Now uh, with the uh, uh, Texas uh, Basque, classic that they've had you guys go to fork pretty regularly with that unique kind of catchway release format where you bring one over and then uh toledo bend which is standard those are four heavyweights uh is it is it pretty safe to say that when you're dealing with two texas and two florida events we're going to get through the first half of the year like in your opinion you're looking at this schedule now especially after what you saw in the first half especially if you know what everyone else is running all forward facing dominated out of the top 10 of these events and all four one using forward facing sonar. Or could we see uh, a bunch of guys that go, you know what, I'm going to buck the trend from what everyone thinks, because I mean, there's a lot of ways to catch them on a lot of these fisheries, Brian, or is there now just one or two ways to catch them if you want to compete? No, I think you're going to catch them and you can compete fishing, but I've got some bargain dogs. Come here. That's fine. You get. You got to show the dog on the show. That's a BTL rule. If a dog barks, oh my gosh! I was not expecting that. I was not expecting yeah. that. Who is that? Yep. Yep. Brittany asked me a couple of years ago if we could have another dog. I said no. She sent me a picture, and I said, "When do we pick him up?" Oh. Uh, yeah. He's a. He's he's a handful, but we love him. Um. Yeah. I. I don't think you'll see a tournament. Let's see. We go Toledo Fork. Um, Harris Chain, St. John's. St. John's. Those, Murray. So those four. Yeah, Murray, Wheeler, Smith, Smith. Champlain, St. Lawrence. I don't think you'll see an elite tournament one without it this year. It, it, you know, maybe like somewhere, say, St. John's, Harris Chain, maybe it's not one strictly with it. But I think it'll definitely be a player, you know, a part of it. In those kind of tournaments, you know, I'm not, I'm okay with it. You know, it's like at least you can fish some. It's just, yeah. it's just another tool in your toolbox. It's not your only tool. How has it affected your tackle preparation? I mean, you have uh, your own jig. You work closely uh, with Spro. You have uh, a lot of that. Have you found that your tackle preparation the last couple of years has been drastically different than it would have been, say, five years ago if you're preparing for this same schedule? The the difference it is is um, I cuss a lot more because I know all the stuff I'm rigging up is pointless. <laughs> like I've literally um, I've been rigging rods for two and a half days, and mm-hmm. I've got about another half a day left. And, you know, because I go I go Toledo Fork and then straight to Santee for the other. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of interchangeable uh, rods, you know, for those events. But, you know, Santee's going to be a lot different than, than the two Texas lakes. So i got to prepare for a lot of different things. 
win at the end of the day, I could probably tie on a, you know, uh, a bad little greenfish bad little shad, put a little minnow on the back of it, and possibly a drop shot and, and go to work, you know? It's a different world we're living in. This was, this was the first time I haven't, I don't think we've ever tackled it kind of head on like this. And like I said, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't think there is a right answer right now. I give bass props for not doing something rash. I feel like the baiting of the Alabama rig was a, a little bit of a knee jerk reaction. So I give bass and Bassmaster props for looking at this, for, for recognizing it. And listen, there's, there's a lot of money at stake here. You have major multi multi-million dollar companies uh, like, look, uh, one of the major sponsors of my show, Bass Tank. I'm headed to Bass Tank today. Uh, I'm headed to to do technology stuff. That doesn't but mean why? that there's... But why are you doing that? Do you feel like you have to or do you want to? Uh, it. I feel I feel like it's a necessity right now. I feel like I have to in, in order to compete. I feel like one of the things that I'm doing gives me a little bit of an advantage. And I feel like the other thing that I'm doing puts me on a level playing field after I felt like I was not at a level playing field. Uh at Okeechobee with with only one transducer. I mean, you saw on that day, the morning of day two, I was stressing with you. I was like, Brian, what do you think? I had spent most of my time in that area pitching to beds on perspective. But then I also knew I had switched it to forward because I wanted to see the individual fish. And then it occurred to me, I need perspective and forward because... It doesn't help if you, you, you know, it helps to be able to put it in the bed, but I want to be able to put it in that, that two inch zone. So yeah, I'm doing a, a number of different things, not because I want yeah. to, and because I have to. Yeah, it, it, I agree. Like I, when I'm just fishing, a lot of times I really enjoy it, but it just sucks. If you're forced to do it. You know, used to, you know, this week guy went skipping docks with a jig or next week, you know, guy went out deep cranking and next week you know burning down the bank with a buzz bait and mm -hmm. now it's okay jig head in a minute everywhere we go okay, and i'm not baby. we're not saying that it's not technology like scott's saying he goes it's a pair of boat stuff with technology does not equal top tens absolutely like brian knew you were finishing top tens and winning tournaments way before technology you're doing it with technology scott martin was catching 30 pound bags on okeechobee before it he's doing it with it now it's just uh it's just it's just different. It's very different. It is. it is. And I think people are getting the wrong impression of what we're saying. We're, it, I'm not saying it's the devil. It's just different. And I don't like it. And I'm not saying ban it. It's just let's figure out what to do and let's do it the right way. And you just kind of touched on it. I'm glad that they're not just making a rational decision. Definitely think the Alabama rig ban was a rational decision. Um analyze it and let's figure out how to do it the right way i agree all right we're going to take our first break of the show uh when we come back we're going to get a little bit into uh lure design oh no and fatherhood ah. <laughs> what's up man that that's the exact look i had when i looked behind me and saw four guys fighting eight pounders <laughs> on spinning rods on okeechobee that was the exact the, the wide eyes it looks like that yep how how is that are we talking what six months old there six months and seven days wow happy baby he is, he is. he's definitely my boy he looks good too yeah all right we're gonna take our first break of the show when we come back uh more 
with Brian New. It's BTL on a Wednesday. We'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. All right, we are back, BTL, on a Wednesday. We have uh, Brian New. Man, you got enough energy. You don't need a Celsius. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is that your problem? You, you don't need an energy drink, Brian? <laughs> oh, well, you're probably right. Uh, did you catch that eight pounder on your jig? Cause you were actually throwing a bait caster on that the first morning. It was the quietest eight pounder that I've ever seen caught. You kind of, it didn't really, didn't really jump and it kind of shielded your, you shielded your body from it and you kind of tossed it in the live well, but it appeared as though you were throwing like a, was that on your little jig or was that on like a swim jig or. So it was actually, uh, Shin Fukai's little swim jig, greenfish, uh, Shidi's swim jig. Shidi means small, I think, in Japanese. Um, but it's a finesse swim jig, light wire. Um, and I had it trimmed down, make it a smaller profile. So it was, when I say light wire, it was light wire, but it's a little heavier wire than, than my little jig. Uh, I'll, you know, my little jig is awesome for its purpose, but I wouldn't feel uh, good <laughs> down there in Florida. With heavier line with it with the hook that came. and it's so got, you were you throwing know, a light wire jig in there like you had no problem mm-hmm. or knowing you were around eight to tens throwing a lot what pound test were you throwing on that 16 16 sunline shooter and you know it's a, it's got a gamagatsu o'shaughnessy hook in it 
So that okay. being the being in that book, it, it does really good. It doesn't open up that that bad. You know, a lot of times you obviously if you really jack on it, uh, it's going to. But um, yeah, I just really like that that jig. Um, you know, anytime I'm not fishing, like I'm not going to throw it up in the reeds and the Kissimmee grass, that kind of stuff. But if I'm throwing it on floor cart, you know, 16 or less, yeah, yeah, I'm very comfortable with it anywhere with the size fish. You talk about uh, your jig. It's it's a compact jig. You mentioned that Shiz jig. It's smaller. Spro just came out with the uh, 45, the Little John, which is uh, a, a very small kind of diminutive crankbait. Uh, I believe Major League Fishing said that their drop shot was the most used uh, technique for success in the 2023 season. We saw last year at Seminole get one with a drop shot. Uh, we're seeing small minnow baits. It's pretty apparent. I and mean, would you agree that the trend is is definitely going to smaller and more finesse, regardless of of forward facing sonar, as we're seeing? And and is that something you've noticed over the last four or five years? And why do you think that is? Hundred percent. I think a big part of it is is there's just more fishing pressure in general nowadays. Um, there's more people fishing than there ever ever has been. And you get a lot of big bites and myself and I think a lot of people as well have learned that, you know, you can catch big fish on small stuff. Um, and to me, like a small jig, it's, yes, it's small, it's finesse, but it, I kind of look at it as power finesse. You know, it's small, but it's still got that same kind of little bit bigger profile, uh, meaning like short, but it's still kind of mm -hmm. a little bit bigger bigger profile and it's, it'll target those bigger bites hey don't be fussy but um yeah i mean look at Brian schmidt i mean uh, he had a crazy year last year and uh just about i don't know i mean i would say over half of the fish he weighed in were on a drop shot mm -hmm. have you messed around with the bait finesse system yet uh i fished with uh with sakai who is one of the one of the hot co-anglers right now he's won like three co-angler titles in the past year on both the the uh mlf and bassmaster side and he was big into he had a lot of like seven foot medium rods he had the bait finesse with the small spools he was throwing a lot of like nine to 11 pound test on stuff is that something that you've gotten into yet because when i started throwing the spinner rod he's like ah he goes you need to learn the bait finesse system so you can throw all of this stuff on bait casters uh explored that at all i have not it's something that i'm a little intrigued with um art just came out with a bait finesse uh spinning reel or i mean i'm sorry a bait finesse reel you know bait caster and i just got a couple uh last week and i i haven't rigged it up yet um but it's something that intrigues me you know i really like new stuff i like learning new stuff and i'm really looking forward to it um you know uh so, and I think a lot of applications is going to be really good. So, like the the Kitek swim bag, you know, it's mm -hmm. super popular. Everybody does it. It's not as effective as it once was, you know, six, seven years ago. But me and Thrift, like, we figured that out before it got really popular. And we've, ever since, we've always thrown it on a bait caster, where it seems like almost everybody throws it on spinning rod. And... I feel like you have more control with to what the bait's doing. I can cast it. 
I feel like I can cast it farther, but I can also skip it really good um, on, you know, on the proper equipment, you know, the proper set rod and reel. And I think the bait finesse, you know, it's going to let us do that with even smaller baits and you just have more control. Um, yeah, there's a lot of small, uh, you know, hard baits that I'm really looking forward to playing with on it. And that's Pro Micro B John. Um, you know, yes, it, it's heavy enough. You can throw it on your standard, you know, small crankbait reel and rod. But I really look forward to trying it on the BFS reels because I think you can just, you can throw it probably. I, I'm, I'm just assuming here, but I think you can probably throw it a lot farther. Uh, so I was talking with uh, Cruz probably it been a year, year and a half ago now, and he knows that I like the little point fives and one point mm-hmm. uh, and he he gave me a prototype of of that bait. I actually still have it. It's really cool, and it you know it looks like a little John, but it's a half of the size, one of those little ones, and it's amazing the distance you could get on uh, on the the. 10 pound crank fc with a seven foot medium casting and just a, a regular bait caster on that that little bitty bait yeah it throws really good it, it does it's uh i think how the bill and the body are somewhat streamlined you know there's a lot there's a lot that goes into a bait to make it be able to cast you know it's and that bait is you know it, it it's just set up well to cast now there's sometimes you you can't get that and also be able to get the action that you want out of a bait. You know, it, the bill may, may need more angle on it. And when you put more angle on a longer bill, you know, it's definitely going to affect your cast. And, you know, it's not going to it's not gonna be streamlined. It's not going to cast as well. It's going to want to tumble more. But but that particular bait, the way it's designed, it casts really good to be such a small, lightweight bait. One more thing I wanted to talk with you about, and I think it's become apparent over the past three or four years, you know, the Carolinas has been a, a hotbed of incredibly talented anglers. So you can kind of uh, take a circle between uh, you know, Hartwell, Murray, all those. There's a lot of guys uh, with, you know, uh, Thrift, you, Ari, Casey, Ashley. Did you almost just drop your kid there? And- <laughs> all you know there you the the list can go on and then uh what kind of brought this to mind was i just had emil wagner on who's the afco bass boot camp angler who went and had i believe a a top 15 finish uh in florida one of the things they have in common I, i love spotted bass i like catching spotted bass it seems over the past years though that the guys who are really good at spotted bass have been able to take those spotted bass techniques and transfer them to not only smallmouth but not only largemouth. What are your thoughts on spotted bass? And is it probably the best species to learn coast to coast on how to catch fish in general, just because of some of the characteristics that that those fish have that you can transfer across the country? You know, I've never really thought about it like that. What I have thought about is I think one reason that um, you know we have so many talented anglers. Uh, come out of our region is you know a lot of the fishing really sucks and it forces you to to learn how to to do better now like i live on you know one of the best lakes in the country lake murray and uh i didn't grow up here you know i grew up at lake wiley it used to be a great lake but it really 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 extremely really sucks now um grew up fishing lake norman a lot it is extremely good fishery now i mean the last couple weeks it's been stupid lakes i mean a predominant 
Spotted Bass Lake. Now it's no Lanier, but mm-hmm. a buddy of mine won a two-day tournament a couple weeks ago. He had 17, like almost 23. You know, had 40 pounds for two days. Shane LaHue finished second in that tournament with 35 pounds for two days, and it was just it goes on and on. Like I haven't fished Norman in uh, three or four years, probably, but it's an extremely good lake. That's completely going against what I was just saying about fishing really sucks a lot of it. But a lot of it's really good, too. So it's kind of like we get a little bit of both worlds. I think you probably see that in a lot of regions of the country. But um, we have a lot of options. You know, we've got uh, somewhat deep clear water with Lake North. We've got a lot of shallow power fishing lakes, you know, high rock. Uh, Lake Wiley, you know, whenever I was fishing at all the time, was a shallow uh, lake. Um, you know, Lake Wiley, you I wouldn't call it ledge fishing, but it's you fish it the, the the deep places a lot, like you do ledges. So we had that. Uh, we've got the blueback lake. You know, we've got a lot of stuff. We've got everything other than tidal water, and smallmouth, and uh, you know grass. And now you know we're starting to get some of the grass uh, in certain okay. lakes. Hmm. But that being said, it is it is seems like they still fish different than a true grass lake. Would you rather catch a? Would you rather go into a tournament like if you had an equal opportunity? If you thought you could win catching largemouth and win catching spots, would you rather target largemouth or would you rather target spots? Like what? Just personal preference. Yeah, I mean, I just like catching bass and big ones. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a preference there. Really, um, you don't have a preference? Like I'm going to Washita for this next open, and I'm like, man, I really hope I can figure out these spotted bass. Or when I go to Hartwell at the end of the year, I'm like, man, I'm chasing these these spots. Like I, I you can have the you can have the river largemouth, you can have the giant on the bank. But you growing up in that, you have zero preference over like just fun, which you enjoy targeting more. Not really. Um... I mean, if, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd probably say largemouth just because a lot of times you can power fish them more, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I say a lot of times, not always, um, because you can absolutely power fish the spots as well. Um, and the spots, man, they, they, they are fun to catch. You know, they're violent bites. You know, they fight hard a lot of times. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just you got a lot better chance of catching a great giant largemouth than, than you do a, a, a spot. I mean, like a Hartwell. You know, Hartwell's getting a lot of big spots, in it, but you still have a greater likelihood of catching a six, seven-pound largemouth than you do a spot. Uh, I've seen a lot of guys rolling around, and you're one of those guys with the FXR. You got a shirt on right now. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that seems kind of new to the fishing space unless I've been living under a rock. What's the deal with that? So FXR, you know, I don't know a lot about anything other than fishing in the world period. Uh, but it's, I'm pretty sure FXR kind of owns the motocross industry uh, okay. when it comes to the world. And, uh, they make really awesome stuff. Uh, and they, you know, they got into ice fishing stuff there out of uh, Minnesota, Canada. Got a couple of different offices. So they've been in the ice fishing world for, uh, you know, several years. And uh, maybe two or three years ago, they branched out and, you know, into the, I don't want to say freshwater, but kind of the bass market. 
Um, last year was my first year with the guys. I've, I had friends that were, you know, wore the stuff for several years before I was ever even introduced to the company. And just everybody I talked to had really great things to say about them. Um, I met with them, really liked their product, and they're awesome people to work for. And, yeah, I'm uh, pretty much all aware every day now. There you go. I know what it is. I'll have to check it out. I was trying yeah. to look it up here. I was, uh, just when I did it, I did it. Snow, Moto, Pro Fish, yep. and Lifestyle. Cool. Mm-hmm. Anything else you just have a burning desire to get in here before I let you go? I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. I mean, you're one of the first guys who's been like, hey, so, you know, we got to do something about this. Yeah, I mean, dude, like any time I can sit around and talk about fishing, it's just that's that's what I do, like, even with my family, like, dog. The things that matter to me in life are my family, uh, my faith, and fishing, and, and uh, I care less about anything else. Now, I will say, and, and it kind of goes back to my fishing, I've never watched sports, never played sports, never cared anything about sports. And uh, my wife, she was a big-time baller in high school and volleyball and everything else. And her sister's really good. We, You know, she graduated high school last year. And the last couple of years, going to watch her play, I really kind of got into it. And now uh, – Braylon's playing volleyball, my daughter, and, and obviously volleyball's over and, and basketball, that's over now. Last week was the last week of that, but really kind of got into going and watch them play. Um, but uh, as far as watching anything else, I'm not going to watch the game, but I do like, <laughs> like watching kids play. Um, but yeah, talking about fishing, you know, that's that's what I like to do. Awesome. You had a, a, a thank you for jumping on. You got an awesome Jason Quinn look with the earbuds. I was told they, I know <laughs> oh, we God. had some issues with the earbuds. I think we might have had them in backwards, but I'm, I am brand new to the uh, ear pal game as well. My girlfriend got me a pair and I'm still trying to get used to the things. Every time I turn my head, one of them wants to fall out, but uh, really good stuff. And I greatly appreciate the time taking time on a Wednesday morning to jump on uh, BTL, Mr. New and good luck this year. You got a, you got a cool schedule. Like you should catch them this year. Like this should be a good year for you, bro. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it, you know, and, uh, we always say, oh, what tournament are you looking forward to the most? And, yeah, I definitely have some mark, you know, but when the, the anticipation of the schedule being released last fall, is, once it was released, so you know what? I don't really care where we go. You know, it's, it's, it's another tournament. Like, we could go to the Atlantic Ocean, and I'd be excited, you know, to go figure out how, <laughs> how to win it, you know. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I get another chance here at Lake Norman or <laughs> – lake murray um so yeah hopefully i can rebound and and not suck the first half of the year last year after the first four tournaments i was 101st out of 102 or three i think in the points and that was not a good way to start the year (laughs) but i did uh you know in the second half of the year i bounced back and uh finished 46 barely missed the classic so I am definitely looking forward to, you know, hopefully getting back on pace. You know, I I guess I could say I am on pace because the second half of the elites were good. The last open was decent uh, of the year last year and and the first open this year. So I do feel like I'm fishing good. I'm really excited to get going. Um, Yeah, and it, it doesn't matter where we go. I'm excited to get there. 
All right. Well, I'm going to let you go uh, and spend the morning with the family. Thank you very much for jumping on BTL, Brian. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Matt. See you, bud. All right. See ya. All right. That is Brian New. We're going to take our final break of the show when we come back, talk about what we have tomorrow. Two BTLs tomorrow. Day four with Frank Scalish. Guaranteed no forward-facing uh, sonar talk there as uh, Frank will talk about some basic uh, patterns. And then tomorrow uh, night, I'll talk about what we have going on for the Miles uh, Berghoff family uh, fundraiser for his uh, 10-month-old daughter. They are actually at uh, St. Jude right now in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. So BTL on a Wednesday, wrapping things up when we come back right after this. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife. And Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry. So whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips. So if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid. You've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the Matte Sexy Shad, just a really different looking color for a crankbait. So you wanna give them a little different look, that Matte Sexy Shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is gonna handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. In 2023, we became a household name in the crappie fishing world thanks to Power Breaks the Game Changer. Hey, bass fishing world, buckle up, because <laughs> you're next. It's going to be fun. Welcome to the next evolution of our product line, Power Breaks Sidekick, designed to install right on your shallow water anchors. 
We are the first and only fishing brake company to offer a breakaway system. Just like with a game changer, the Power Brake Sidekick has it as well. And it's not a matter of if you're going to need it, it's when. Power Brakes, the most durable fishing brakes available on the market today. Made right here in the USA with our rock-solid two-year warranty. Hey, not all fishing brakes are built equally, and you owe it to yourself to find out why ours are different. Power Brakes Sidekick. Order yours today at mypowerbrakes.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. Wrapping things up here on a Wednesday BTL. Big shout out to Brian New uh, for coming on talking. Like I said, listen, guys, like I totally understand. Like I'm not thrilled that we end up talking about this every single show uh, or some shows. But like I said, sometimes it's in passing. Sometimes you have to dive into it. And it is what is going on right now in the world of professional bass fishing. So uh, I remember... I remember when the A-Rig came out, like I said, we talked about that uh, ad nauseum, I believe is the word, to the point where Jeffries refused uh, for anyone to say the word A-Rig on Bass Talk Live, and we would have to refer to it as the rig that we do not speak of. Uh, that calmed down. This will calm down. We're just in it. I've talked to more anglers uh, that that say the last two years there's been more changes in the sport of professional fishing over the last 30 years combined, not only in the technology realm and how fish are getting caught, but also in social media, in exposure, in how rapidly things are introduced, adopted, implemented, and changed. You know, it wasn't that long ago where you could have a technique have a little something uh and maybe you shared it with your close buddies uh you could hide it from the the tv camera and and that was about it but now you know in in today's age in today's world we're talking exact baits techniques patterns exactly how everything is being done with as much and as many cameras are not only on them from the organizations but also how many anglers feel uh, the obligation or just enjoy doing it or it's part of their sponsor portfolio to share detailed information about the patterns and techniques that they're having success with. So in a way, it's uh, it's kind of scary to see how quickly things are changing and how much you have to keep on top of it. In another way, it's really exciting uh, to be a part of something. You know, this sport's only 55, 60 years old. Uh, and I've looked at other sports, uh, individual sports where technology has aspects to that sport and they're going through the exact same transitions, the exact same changes, uh, that bass fishing is. So it is what it is. That was a good show with Brian New. I appreciate him coming on. Like I said, tomorrow, uh, day four with Frank Scalish at 8.30 a.m. Central Time and then at 7 p.m., Central time. Uh, we're going to just have a benefit show for Miles Berghoff for his uh, 10-month-old daughter at St. Jude. Now their family just moved there as she, uh, as she deals with cancer. Uh, I think Miles is actually going to be able to join us for a little bit. Uh, we're going to have Mark Jeffries pop on since Miles Berghoff is his favorite angler. Uh, and also Miles' buddies, uh, Joey Nania, who was the co-host of Sweetwater, uh, the TV show with him for seven or eight years. And his buddy uh, Matt Stefan is also going to uh, is also going to jump on for that. So, all right, uh, that's all we got for today. I'm headed to go put some power brakes on the boat for uh, Washita. 
So stay tuned. Instagram story, probably talking a lot more about that. And then we'll be back in studio tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everybody then. Later. <laughs>